when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center, looks downfield, fires deep, complete, Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby, congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. And now, your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, let's go. We are back at it again here on Just Pod. Baby, welcome to a brand new episode. I am Evan Grote. Thanks again for joining me. The Raiders pulled off a season-saving win on Monday night in Cleveland. Don't start looking at those mock drafts quite yet. Daniel Carlson was clutch once again. The defense got a crucial stop late in the game that they needed to get the ball back to the offense. And credit to Derek Carr following the costly interception late in the game. He led his team, uh, his offense, down the field to give Carlson the opportunity for the game winner, and he came through as he has done many times this year. It wasn't always pretty, don't get me wrong. It was an ugly win, but they survive and they advance, and that that's what you have to do this time of year. And they give us fans... Something to look forward to. One more week, at least one more game that we can get excited about. Um, you know, another opportunity to go out there and compete, and and that all will be coming up on Sunday versus the Denver Broncos. Of course, we are brought to you by VegasSportsToday.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at egroat 5 Please make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast. Got a lot of uh, stuff coming up in this offseason, a big offseason for the Raiders. I want you to stay on top of it with me all throughout the uh, offseason season. I have a fun show planned for you this week, and I do apologize for um, we, we've taken some time off here the last two weeks. Last week was not a planned uh, week off. I had some issues with my guest uh, last minute, um, had to cancel on me um, as I was set to record with her, and uh, because of all the issues that were going on with, with the Browns and the, and the COVID list and whatnot, she was just swamped with work and deadlines that she had to meet, so decided just to take the week off again. But this week, we will be joined by the hosts of Silver and Black tonight, Scott Gilbranson and Mo Moten, for a little Raiders roundtable discussion. We're going to be diving into many different topics, uh, and I think you guys will really enjoy our conversation. It's always great to get some other perspectives on things going on with the Raiders, so stay tuned for that a little bit later on here in segment two. But I do want to get this show kicked off uh, with some news and notes. And um, first of all, did you did you guys see that there's this this all Madden documentary that's coming out uh, about the, the the former Raiders coach John Gruden? It's going to be aired. On um, on Fox Christmas Day prior to the Packers and Browns game, I believe the the time it'll be shown is at two o'clock. I saw a trailer for it the other day. It looks really really good. It details his life as uh, a coach and and then later as a broadcaster and even gets into the the Madden video game series a bit. Um, as I said, two o'clock Eastern time is the air time. I know it's a tough time <laughs> for most people to get in front of a TV on Christmas Day, so make sure you set your DVRs. I wanted to. Uh, make sure I reminded you guys about that. I'm really looking forward to it myself. Um, as far as some injury news this week, it looks like the Raiders will, will again be without Darren Waller uh, in Week 16. He did not practice um, in, in the team's walkthrough on, on Wednesday. 
Um, and at the time of my recording, I have not seen the Thursday report yet. Um, I'm beginning to question now if we will see Waller again this year. And, uh, you know, they may decide to, to shut him down depending on what happens here uh, this weekend's game. But, you know, the offense misses him dearly um, as they, just, you know, continue to struggle uh, to score points, especially since the bye week, uh, obviously, with, with the exception of the Thanksgiving Day game in Dallas. But um, I would say it's looking less and less likely for Waller uh, going forward here. Some other injury news that we heard this week. We know Jonathan Abram left the game early uh, on Monday night. Uh, we got word uh, earlier this week that he would be out for the season. He's going to have shoulder surgery once again. That's the second time now in three years. Um, so, you know, you start to have some long-term concerns about his health. And, you know, he likes to play a physical brand of football. So that is a concern with him. I think Abram, you know, to be fair, he, he did show some improvements this year, playing a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, he's a physical type of player. He's a tone setter on the defense, along with Denzel Perryman. They brought a little bit of an edge to the defense, but still has a lot of flaws in coverage. He was exposed, you know, a few times this year, and that's the problem when you're uh, a secondary player. Despite how often he plays closer to the line, he, he, you know, these offensive coordinators can still uh, try to get him matched up with some of their uh, better players. Um, and one of the other topics that I'm going to get into with Scott and Mo when they when they join join me is uh, the fifth year options um, that some of these 2019 first rounders um, could or could not be offered. So I won't expand on that too much right now, but we do get into that, and so I'll let you guys uh, hear what we you know had to say about that a little bit later on. Uh, COVID is starting to make its way slowly make its way through the Raiders rock a locker room. Um, as it is across many locker rooms in, in the NFL. Last week, Nate Hobbs, as you know, did not play in the game. He was placed on the COVID-19 IR. Um, I do not believe, as, as far as I know, he was not designated to return as of yet. I imagine by Sunday, though, he'll be he'll be okay to play. I could be wrong, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. This week, it was Brandon Faison cornerback who um you know he's done an admirable job I would say you know filling in um for Mullen you know they signed him I believe off the couch I don't think he was with any organization when they signed him and I think he's done a pretty good job overall uh considering and you know it looks like this week the secondary could be shorthanded uh once again we, we saw Keyshawn Nixon get the nod last week over Amik Robertson in the slot if Faison um, should be out, well, he is going to be out. So without uh, Faison, um, I, I do wonder if they kick Nixon out uh, on the outside because he has shown that ability as well and then bring Robertson into the slot or will they keep Nixon in the slot and, and maybe we see um, more of Desmond Trufant on the outside replacing Faison. So I, I would assume it'll probably be Trufant on the outside, um, but that's just my 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 guess. Um, and then you know the other piece of information that I, I wanted to get uh, and discuss briefly here um, at the top of the show or is is and it's not injury related, but it's about Corey Littleton. Um, you know, you you look at his his overall body of work since joining the Raiders and, um, you know, it, it hasn't been, it hasn't been a whole lot of production and, you know, there's been some bad free agent signings by the Raiders in recent years, thinking about LaMarcus Joyner, 
Tyrell Williams, Trent Brown, you know, those guys that Gruden told us many times were were brought in um, you know, from the money that they saved from, from trading Khalil Mack. Um, you could add Corey Littleton to that list of, of bad signings. Um, he was benched last week against Cleveland. And, uh, you know, so that's that's never a good sign. I mean, the starting linebackers last week, you had you had uh, Markel Lee, you had uh, K.J. Wright, and um, I believe it was Divine Diablo. So, um, you know, when you're being benched, that's never a good thing. Um, it does look like they do have a what could be a promising young linebacker in Diablo. Uh, that's the good news. Uh, you know, he might be a decent player. It's still very early on in his career. He hasn't really have enough snaps under his belt. But... Um, you know, he, he, has, he has shown up a bit here and there. Uh, he was involved in that crucial run stop on third and three, um, him and Jonathan Hankins. Um, Diablo did a nice job of taking out the fullback on that play. And you can see that his speed and his ability and coverage, that hybrid ability that, you know, we knew he had coming in from Virginia Tech as a safety linebacker hybrid. So you can see some of that on film, and it would be nice to see him play a bit more in these final three games so they know exactly what they have with him. So that is the good news. But again, with Littleton, he's been a bust to this point, and, and he's making a lot of money. I was looking at the contract numbers uh, this afternoon. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a capologist, but if I'm reading this properly, um, next year in 2022, he's going to count $15.7 million against the cap, and he carries a $14 million dead cap hit. So th- they're not getting rid of this guy. He's going to be on this roster next year. There's no way they're going to eat that kind of money. And, and so, you know, that that's 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 a really bad cap number for a guy who, um, you know, played five snaps on Monday night and, and, and you know, depending on – what happens, uh, you know, in the future with a new head coach and perhaps a new defensive coordinator? Maybe they can rejuvenate him. He is only 28 years old, but it looks it looks like a bad signing right now. And, and again, he's going to be on this roster next year uh, at, at 15.7 million dollars. Now you combine that with uh, Nick Kwiatkowski. Don't forget about him. He's been injured. Um, another linebacker they signed in that same offseason, he has a cap hit of $8.2 million and he carries $5 million in dead money. So they're not getting rid of him either. So they got a couple of high-priced linebackers right now that uh, Kwiatkowski was not able to get on the field a whole lot even when he was healthy. Littleton now um, being benched last week. We'll see what they decide to do with him going forward, but not a good situation. We're going to get into the salary cap and potential cuts and casualties and all of that in the off-season episodes that I mentioned, so make sure you are subscribing to the show. Uh, but I thought that was at least worth the mention because, um, you know, it, it kind of flew under the radar this week, I thought, when I was, you know, listening to other podcasts and, and reading articles from different beat writers and, and other people, so I thought I'd at least get that out there. But, uh, we'll, again, we'll see what Littleton does and, and what the coaching staff decides to do with him here in the final three games. But that is all I got here for segment one. I do want to uh, step aside for a quick moment just to kind of reset things, and, and then uh, when we come back from the break, we will uh, be joined by our guest this week, host of Silver and Black Tonight as well as Silver and Black Today Game Day. Uh, they got a lot going on. I'm talking about Scott Gilbranson and Mo Moten. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. You don't want to miss my conversation with them. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network.
So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And welcome back Just Pod Baby the Christmas week edition of Just Pod Baby. I don't want to wish everyone out there a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hope everyone uh, enjoys the time with their family and friends this weekend. And, uh, you know, I, as I was taking my quick break, I hopped on Twitter, and we've got some, some updated information to the, we'll call it the injury report. Uh, Roderick Teamer and Jermaine Luminor are heading to the COVID list for the Raiders. So that's another hit to the secondary. Teamer was a guy who I thought could step in and and take some snaps for uh, Abram, who will who will be out. And now uh, you know it looks like maybe Dallin Levitt will be the next man up. So um, a big hit to a, a secondary that's undermanned as it is. Illuminor uh, hasn't seen the field in a while, but he is some depth there. So hopefully everyone stays healthy along the offensive line. But this is absolutely the last thing that this team needs is for COVID uh, to run. Wild through the through the locker room. Uh, they need everybody uh, on deck right now, all hands on deck. They've got a lot of injuries as it is, and, and so they cannot afford to lose any key players uh, for this weekend's game. And, and should they win this week, they don't want to lose any more uh, f- for future games as well. So that's something we're going to have to keep a really close eye on. It's really amazing how, how COVID is affecting pro sports, um, not only the NFL, but the NHL, the NBA. It, it, it's this, this new variant is really, really uh, making its way through the country. Uh, but you know what? All teams are dealing with it, and, and, and I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for the Raiders. Um, they're going to have to deal with it just like every other team is, but it's something to keep a close eye on. All right, let's shift gears now. I want to welcome in uh, our two guests this week, two very special guests uh, for a very special Raiders roundtable discussion. They are the host of two really great radio shows. They have the Friday night show, uh, Silver and Black, tonight on 1090, the Mightier in Southern California. Uh, you can also catch it on the TuneIn app, 6 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 9 p.m. on the East Coast, as well as Silver and Black Today game day, which is a great way to start off your Sunday mornings, uh, get a nice little pregame show in, 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 p.m. on the East Coast, and that can be heard on 1140 AM, the bet in Las Vegas, as well as the Audacity app. So there's a lot of different ways you can find the show. You can also get the show on the Silver and Black Today podcast feed. So subscribe there as well to hear all of their their great work. Let's say hello first to one half of the team, uh, Mr. Scott Gilbranson, the mastermind behind the Silver and Black Today brand known now as Vegas Sports Today, Mr. Midwest himself, as he now resides in the state of Ohio. Much cooler temperatures this time of year compared to the desert in Las Vegas. But, Scott, how was Cincinnati treating you and the family so far? Oh, it's great, Evan. It's cold, man. It's, uh, you know, it didn't get out of the 30s today. I don't mind the cold, you know, even though I lived most of the, the my life on the west side of this country in, in California and Nevada, obviously twice. Uh, but no, it, it's good, man. It's great. We have a, a great place out here. Kids have room to roam. And so so we're really happy. Uh, the only downside is I have to listen to people talk about Ohio State. Um, and that's that's a bummer. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. You know, you're, you're preaching to the choir a little bit when you talk about the cold weather over here and, and to two New Yorkers, especially myself being in, in Western New York. But it's glad I'm glad to hear that the transition has gone well for everyone. And uh, it looks like you've embraced uh, being in the new region of the country. I've seen you, you've gone out to some Colts games, uh, Bengals game this year you got to, and as well as some 
Notre Dame football. So that's awesome to see. And then the other half of the dynamic duo that I want to welcome in now, he's a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, and he's also part of the team at Vegas Sports Today. He's a very familiar voice here on Just Pod Baby. I like to refer to him as the voice of reason among Raider Nation. Of course, I'm talking about Maurice Mo Moten. Mo, I know that your Knicks, they're near the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings, but otherwise, how are things, my friend? Derek Rose off eight weeks. Not good. <laughs> um, but I'm hanging in there, Evan. Um, I, Raider Nation is kind of maybe running out of patience with me because I'm a little too rational because a lot of fans, well, we'll talk about it today, but a lot of fans are ready for a teardown, and I'm just saying, whoa, whoa, let's let's hold on a minute. We still got the season to go, so we'll see. Well, that's why I call you the, the voice of reason, because you kind of you have the ability to talk people off the ledge, as you have done to me many times. But uh, glad to have you guys on here with me today. Uh, you've been kind enough to have me on your radio show, so I thought it was time to return the favor and, and have you guys on for a little rundown. We're going to cover a bunch of different topics. We'll try to keep this thing moving, so let's get right into it. We did get some injury news today regarding Jonathan Abram. Uh, he's going to be out for the season with a, a shoulder injury. He's going to get some surgery done. And, you know, the injuries are really starting to pile up here for the Raiders, who are already without uh, Pro Bowl linebacker Denzel Perryman, Darren Waller's out, Trayvon Mullen. They got a couple guys now on the COVID list. Uh, but with Abram, uh, you know, he will miss the remainder of the season. He's played a little bit better this season. I think we got to cut him a little bit of slack. He played well uh, on Monday against the Browns, showed some improvements this year in his new role. Uh, as the box safety. Scott, we'll start with you first. He has not missed a snap all year, but this is definitely a big blow to this defense, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't... This this point in the season where the Raiders have to win out to have a chance, uh, you need everybody you can. And John Jonathan Abram, I think, I, I played one of his better, his better games against Cleveland. Uh, and, and Mo and I have talked about it on our show several times, too. I don't know that he gets his fifth-year contract, of course, but I think he has improved. They've done... Uh, what they well, here? Excuse me. He's done what they've asked him to do, uh, playing that box safety role, which is much better for him. The problem is he's still got to cover guys, and he's got to get better at that. But but unfortunately, you know, he doesn't get those final few weeks to keep working at it. And that's the thing I'll give Jonathan Abram, man. He's worked at it. He's working hard. He's doing his best, and that's what you like to see. You like to see a guy, a young guy, improve, understand what he needs to do. I like that he's kept mostly quiet this year, as far as just kind of keeping his head down. And he's had some penalties here and there, uh, but none of the stupid stuff we saw in, in, in previous incarnations of Jonathan Abram uh, before Gus Bradley got on board. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you brought up the, the next big question that I, I want to bring up with you guys, and that's the fifth-year option. I want to revisit that that 2019 uh, class of first-round picks here. Mo, I'll start with you. You've got Cleveland Farrell, Jonathan Abram, and Josh Jacobs. These were supposed to be three foundational players that would change the fortunes of this organization after that uh, uh, trades of Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. And, and now we sit here near the end of year three for them, and the organization will have to make a decision whether or not to offer the fifth year extension to these guys. I don't have the exact figures uh, in front of me at what, what the exact hit to the cap will be for these players. But Mo, where do you currently stand on these players as far as the fifth year extension is concerned? Yeah, I think the only one that has a remote chance is Josh Jacobs. And I just want to lay out the the figures from Josh Abote, uh, Raider Nation's favorite pessimist. <laughs> um, Farrell's, Farrell's fifth year option, about $10.3 Jacobs, $10.1 Abram, $7.9 So you tell me, are any of those guys worth that amount of money? I think, I know Jacobs is having a down year, but you also have to chuck it up to an offensive line that was decimated this offseason and rebuilt. So people may cut him or the organization may come some slack for that. 
I think he's the only one coming down the stretch of these last few games who has a chance to possibly get that fifth year option. Farrell, I mean, he makes a play here and there, but not nearly enough for ten point three million. Abram, who's done now done for the season, uh, his, his season is basically in ink. He's missed. He's going to miss twenty one games in three years with between the injuries and his ability not be able to cover. Uh, just a thumper, basically a thumper linebacker who now gets hurt on multiple shoulder injuries. Not worth the seven point nine million in today's game where offenses are spreading defenses out. Uh, again, coverage is his liability, and you just can't have that in the in in safety right now. So I think the Raiders are gonna not exercise his off if you're not exercise Farrell. Jacobs has a chance. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. Um, absolutely, Farrell can't see him getting the fifth-year option. He's not playing many snaps. I think he's averaging probably between 14 to 16 snaps a game, and he's not really making much of an impact with those snaps. And I think in regards to uh, Jacobs, I, I do agree with you. If there's going to be one of the three players who gets the extension, it would probably be him. But we've seen over the years with other teams who have uh, you know, paid their running backs, and shortly after that time, they usually end up getting injured. And we've already seen some of those concerns with Josh Jacobs as far as, you know, injuries, missing time and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I want to move on to our next topic. The Raiders did pull off a must-win game on Monday night against an undermanned Browns team who was without 18 players, including eight starters. And I know that you guys spend a lot of time on social media as well as I do. Um, and, and so you guys are aware of the many different reactions that were out there following the win we actually talked about them in our in our group chat uh amongst some of the fans and we will get into that in a moment but scott i want to start with you after what it took for the raiders to get the win in cleveland they had to work a little bit harder than i think many of us thought they would have to are you feeling more or less concerned about this team going forward it's a it's a good question i mean i i I made comments you know like hey a, a w is a w it's a win right and and I I went back and forth with Jason Fitz too, uh, talking about like why is this fan base so just in, in rooting against their team? Because that's what I see. And 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 the only thing I come up with is is the Derek Carr situation. Right now, it's been a traumatic year for the Raiders. It's been a traumatic year for Raider Nation for fans. They're beleaguered. You lose your coach who some of them hated anyway, but you lose your coach under crazy circumstances. Then you have your top wide receiver with a terrible accident and, and, and death and all this other stuff that is just heavy, heavy deals. Right. And so, so this team then disappoints with their typical second half slide, but you win this game and, and, and I don't, I, I get it like, Hey, yeah, you won. The problems weren't fixed. You still had an offense that didn't score. Right. I mean, this is this is something that has not changed. You played a depleted team and your offense still could not score. So I think that the problems going into the game didn't change and nor did I think they would. I think that's the thing I, I don't understand. And, and Mo and, and Evan, you can jump in because I don't understand how Raider fans think that with the with the roster you have, with the problems you have, how you think they're going to change uh, because it's a different week. You know, these are things that are going to have to be changed in the offseason. So I, I thought it was a fine win. I mean, it's an ugly win, but a win's a win. 
and it beats losing because then we'd be talking about five of six, all that other stuff, all those terrible stats. But certainly the offense is broken. I don't think it's just the need for a wide receiver. I think there's a lot of things at play here, the offensive line, all the things that we've talked about for weeks between your show and our show and and Mo's writing, everything is still there, and it's not going to get fixed till the offseason. So if Raider Nation, if this team can keep you alive in the playoff hunt for another week, even if it's 10% chance, uh, that's a lot better than the opposite, which is, hey, the season's over. Why should I watch the game? Yeah, and, and Scott, I think that you have an interesting perspective on this talk, topic because you cover the team professionally and, and not as a fan like myself. And, mm-hmm. and I know, Mo, you have some rooting interest in the, the Raiders as well. So for you, there isn't that emotional attachment there. And and to be honest, I, I fall into that category of, you know, one of the fans who was annoyed by the win, not because they won, but because <laughs> I was looking for more of a more dominant performance. You know, after the sure. beatdown the Raiders suffered at the hands of the Chiefs, I was expecting the Raiders to go to Cleveland, undermanned, and 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 put this game away early. But, and, and, but and Evan, was, Evan, I got to jump in, and Mo, please jump in too. Evan, did you see the Giant game? Like, I, I, I yeah. So 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 I don't understand. I don't think this team is capable of dominating anybody. I'm starting to see this talk pop up with the Bronco game coming up after Christmas. Oh, they got and and I think it was JT the Brick said, "Oh, they got to go score thirty and thirty four point forty points." I'm like, "Have you watched this offense for the last ten weeks?" I don't know that they can score 30 points. So, And I'm not criticizing people for making comments. I just don't see this offense, the way it's being run, the way the plays are being called, and 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 the play of the offensive line inconsistently. I just don't see them being able to get out of this funk until they make uh, personnel changes. Yeah, you know what? Those are all great points. And, and, and Mo, I'd like to get your thoughts. You know, what do you think? Should fans be satisfied with just getting the win? You know, a win is a win. Or, or is it fair to fans Uh-oh. like myself – to be critical of, of how the team played against a Browns team who the week of the game learned they would be without eight starters and their head coach. All right, multiple, multiple things here. And I said this on Twitter and I said, this is not, fans are, and I, and I misspoke when I tweeted this or mistweeted this. I don't think most fans are upset with the win per se. I think some fans just want a complete rebuild and they know that if the Raiders stick in this, 500 area that they might get another year of Derek Carr in year nine. And a lot of fans don't want that. They'd rather bottom out and just hit the reset button. Now, what I will say about the game is that two things you have to understand that yes, the Browns were under man, but so were the Raiders. Um, Henry Ruggs, as we know, Gruden out, as we know, they're rolling with an interim head coach and in rich Passaccia. Darren Waller didn't play Trayvon Mullen out. Denzel Perriman, the top tackler didn't play. Nate Hobbs landed on a COVID list before the game. They lost Abram in the first half, who was playing very well. So it's not like the Raiders came in at full strength either. And and on the other side of the football, you got to understand the Browns were playing for their playoff hopes. Their playoff hopes basically hanging by a thread. So you're going to get a desperate team. So, again, you have to weigh those things in. And to piggyback off of what Scott said, have you watched the Raiders' offense? I don't think they're capable of scoring 30 on any team, let alone a Browns-depleted squad. So this team hadn't been playing well, other than the Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys, we had a bunch of PI penalties and they were able to move the ball up and down the field. The Raiders haven't been able to do much offensively, so I wasn't expecting even against a, a downtrodden Brown roster. I wasn't expecting much, so I think a win yeah. is a win, and you have to be happy for this win. Yeah, and Evan, I mean, Mo brings up that point. It's like, did did I mean, it wasn't like this was a juggernaut offense, and and to, he he just listed all the injuries the Raiders had. Right. So <laughs> so and and I get your point, uh, um, Evan, about look, you know, it's not that necessarily or Mo that not necessarily people were disappointed 
that they won, it's disappointed that they continue not to perform as well as, as they want, right? So you don't want your team to go p- score 16 points again, right? I mean, how many times, that's what, the seventh, eighth time now? Eighth time that they've scored uh, under 17 points. And it's sort of like, that's not very fun to watch. You know, you, and, and I know it's, it's, it's a hammer people use to kill Derek, or to care, kill Derek Carr again and say, oh, Derek, oh, we got to get rid of him. Put in Marcus Mariota. It's like, ah, okay, yeah. The, the, the most popular player is always the backup quarterback when you hate the quarterback, right? But, I, again, I think they're missing a lot of things here. Offensive line, okay, Alex Leatherwood had one great game. Whoop-de-doo. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think Mo's right. Expectations have to be, I think, tempered and you have to look at it through that lens. Yeah, absolutely. You guys all make great points there. And I think that's sometimes where, you know, uh, covering the team as a fan, that kind of blinds you sometimes. And I try to be objective as I, as I can be, but I I think in this instance, maybe, you know, my passion for wanting them to do well, Mm -hmm. you know, has led to some frustrations, but let's move on to the next topic. Of course, we got to spend some time discussing Derek Carr, right? What kind of round table would this be? If we didn't, I don't know. I don't know who this person you're talking about is. Who is this person? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have to at least touch on the topic, and I'm I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. But I know that you guys brought it up on your show last week. Um, you know, whoever, who, whomever the new head coach might be and general manager, uh, assuming that Mark Davis decides to move on from Mike Mayock, which I believe he will, they're going to have a big decision to make with Derek Carr. He's going to be entering the final year of his contract in 2022 with no dead money left, a cap pit of $19.8 million. So it's a very movable contract, or if they decide to keep him, it's a pretty team-friendly number uh, as far as the, the salary cap is concerned. Uh, but let me pose this question to you, Mo. Uh, do you feel that Derek Carr's future with the Raiders is tied to whether or not they make the playoffs in 2021? Yeah, fans are going to scream at me for this answer, and that's okay. Um, I actually don't think it's tied to the playoffs. I think the Raiders have to just basically look competitive, maybe finish 9-8 and eight with a good chance to make the playoffs for him to be safe. And, and I say that because, and I said this to Scott in our show last week, I think Mark Davis is going to sit down with Derek Carr and look at what happened throughout the course of the Raiders season. They lose their head coach after, you know, after week five. Uh, Henry Ruggs has this uh, fatal car accident that results in a fatality. Uh, the offensive line is not playing that well. We don't know if, if Darren Wall is going to come back at any point this season. So you look at all those things, and I think Mark Davis is going to say all those things were outside of Carr's control. But what did he do with what he had? And I think he's going to look at it and say, well, Based on what the season was and, and being able to just compete for the playoffs at this point, I, I believe you heard Rich Basaccia said he's excited that they're playing meaningful games in December, which made me blow a Oops. gasket. Oops. You know, that that I didn't like that quote. I, I didn't read the context to it, but I just don't like him saying something like that, especially with the Raiders were the last few years, but I digress. But I'm just saying that based on what the Raiders have been through this season, I think Mark Davis sits down and says, I think Carr did well enough for what he had, and I think that leads to – for, for some fans, they look at this, unfortunately, another year of Derek Carr and, may, and possibly an extension. Yeah, and I did see the tweet that you put out the other day saying that you believe Raider fans should expect to see year nine of Derek Carr pending a blockbuster trade for a Super Bowl winning mm-hmm. quarterback. And I think I, I'm well aware of at least two of the names that you may be referring to. But Scott, let's, let's say the Raiders do fail to make the playoffs. Is there any way... 
they move on from Carr and bring in a bridge type quarterback, or does it have to be an upgrade at the position at this point? Well, that's sort of the the idea I floated, right? So, so I wrote a piece a couple weeks ago and I talked about that I thought it was time for an amicable divorce. Not, not because I don't think Derek Carr is a good quarterback, not because I think the Raiders can get a better quarterback per se right away. My thought was it's just he deserves better and they need to figure out what the future is. And I don't think you build – now, I agree with Mo. You don't have to tear this whole thing down. The defense has some good core players. The offense has some good core players, the left side of the line overall um, and stuff like that. So, so if you look at that situation, uh, then you're not doing a total tear down. But you're going to need probably a year, definitely a year, if not two, to kind of build things back up, fill some of these spots, find that wide receiver again, uh, find linebackers and so on. So you're going to have to, it's going to take you a couple years to the point where you get to the point where you think, hey, we could be a championship team. So then do you want to give Carr an extension, which means that by the time you're ready to maybe not get in the playoffs, but maybe go deep in the playoffs, you have a 12-year veteran at quarterback. Uh, is that going to be sustainable? What, is it, what are his skills like in three years? Because you just don't know. We don't know. God forbid anybody gets injured. I don't want anybody to get injured. But you just don't know. So to me, I agree with Mo here. And this is this is some of the inside information I have. In this world, the two people that, that Mark Davis loves the most, one was John Gruden. You saw he stuck, he stuck by him till the very last minute when he had no choice. That shows you the loyalty he had towards Gruden. Uh, And then that second guy, from what I'm told from people close to the situation, is Derek Carr. He loves Derek Carr. Okay, so guess what? I agree with Mo. I think he's back next year without a doubt. I think you you probably are going to have to give him. I don't think he would go into next year without some sort of extension. Maybe you're going to give him a three-year extension with a bunch of outs so that if you need to move on after a year or two, you do that. So even though I think it would be better for Derek Carr to try his his hand somewhere else where he could win and get out of the dysfunction that's been the Raiders, I think he'll be back, and I think that you're going to be stuck with him. And I say stuck with him if you don't like him. If you like Derek Carr, then you're happy. And But will he be what he is now in two or three years when they're ready to make a deep run? Yeah, really I, quick, I, I, really quick, yeah, Evan. Really I, quick, I just I, want to say I, what I don't want, and I see this on social media a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't want the Raiders to make change just for the sake of making change, right? And that's why I say I would say you roll with Derek Carr unless you can find an upgrade because we saw this team come close to the playoffs for three straight seasons, which means you have a roster with talent on it. Mm-hmm. You just need to get over the hump. So why would you then go to a lesser veteran quarterback? No, you you stay with the quarterback that you have who you know. Or you get the upgrade, and then, like I said, if you're going to keep Derek Carr, I would draft the quarterback, sign him to a team-friendly deal. If he Say, look, Derek, if you want to win, you're going to have to take a team-friendly deal because we're going to have to put more pieces around you because, in my mind, I'm thinking you need the support. And I've said this. Derek Carr is a BB-plus quarterback. He needs the support. So I'm saying, Derek, listen, we'll give you an extension, but it has to be a team-friendly deal because we want to put more pieces around you so you can actually win games. And Evan, I, I know this is your show, but I want to ask you a question. Oh, go and, ahead, go and, ahead. And that is, to your point, and I've heard this a lot too, and I know Mo has, and we talked about it before, which is a lot of people say, okay, if if they can trade for or acquire uh, Russell Wilson, I know some people think he's bad now because he's had three bad games. Uh, but nonetheless, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, these type of guys. But let me ask you this question, Evan. If you were those guys, would you go to a team that has a crappy offensive line? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, right. I mean, that, that's the other half of it. They they have to, I believe they ha- Russell Wilson has the, the no trade clause, so they, they would have to be willing to come to the Raiders and, yes. 
And based on, you know, some of the dysfunction that has been surrounding this organization, do they really want to come to this organization? Right. And, and, and that's the key, too, because to your point about me not being an emotionally invested fan, okay, when I look at it from a fan perspective, I understand the thought. You always want your team to get better. So if you can get Aaron Rodgers, heck yeah. I mean, hell, I would love it, too. If we were, If I had to cover the Raiders and their quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, that's a lot of fun. But at the same time, again, you have to look from the outside perspective. It's a business transaction. If I'm a quarterback, especially on the back end of my career, I'm looking for a place where I'm going to go, even a Rodgers or somebody like that. If you're lucky to go four years, not everybody's the freak that is Tom Brady from, a, from a, a, an age perspective. If that's the case, do I want to go somewhere where they've been to seven playoff games in 31 years? Like you have to think about this. I'm not I'm not bagging on Raider Nation or the Raiders, but I'm saying the organization and its dysfunction over the last 25 years is evident and people know it. as much as the mystique is still there and the brand is awesome and strong and the fan base is the best there is, that's not enough sometimes if you want to go win one more Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Hard, hard to argue anything you said there. And I, and I do tend to agree with you guys, whether I like it or not, I, I do think it'll be probably most likely Derek Carr under center. I think the big question will be, you know, does, do they extend him before the contract expires or does he go into next season on a, like as a lame duck on that final year of the contract? And he has said, I will put that out there. He said he's willing to t- take less money on this next mm-hmm. deal because he's already, in his words, he's, he's gotten the big contract. He doesn't need to be the highest paid player in the league anymore, but let's move on to our next topic so I can get you guys out of here. Somehow, some way this team is still alive in the playoff hunt, despite losing five of the last seven games. We've talked about the struggles on offense to score points, Uh, but here we are week 16 and the Raiders are alive playing in a very important game this week. Um, Scott, we'll start with you Um, looking at the remaining three games on the schedule. I think the consensus out there, you've said it already. The Raiders have to win out to get to the 10 win mark as kind of a starting point to get into the playoffs. They do hold some critical tiebreaker scenarios over some of the other teams in the mix. But what is your level of confidence right now coming off the win in Cleveland? We all know the Browns were undermanned, as I said, in that game. Uh, what's the confidence level that the Raiders can win the next three based on the performance of the team since the bye week? Well, based on the performance, I mean, especially the off the, the inability for the offense to score points, I just don't have a high confidence level. Now, I'm not saying they can't do it, and I'm not being overly negative. I'm being a realist. I'm looking at how they beat the Browns. Again, I said a W is a W, but now you have to face the Broncos. I know the Broncos, everybody, oh, they stink. Drew Locke, Drew Locke, we're going to intercept the ball all over the place. Okay, great. But are you going to score? <laughs> right? Are you going to score enough points to beat Denver? I think they can beat Denver. I think actually they're going to beat Denver. Um, I think they're going to put these two games in a row together. And then I think they lose the last two. I really do. I think the Chargers and the Colts are better and put up more points. The Colts are starting to peak now. Uh, Jonathan Taylor will run all day against the Raider defense. I mean, as good as the Raider defense can be at times, they just have not been good against the run all year. So so I'm not saying people shouldn't be optimistic because I think the Raiders and that defense, as they've proven against even the, the Browns who are missing so many guys, is they keep the team in the game. And so if they can keep the team in the game and this team can finish out, I just want to see them finish strong, even if they lose – just show some improvement, show some fight in you, because those guys that show that fight are the ones that you want back next year, and that's going to be the core of your team moving into 2022. Yeah, 16 points a game is not going to get it done against the Colts or the Chargers, who are averaging nearly 30 points a game. 
Uh, they're most likely going to be without Darren Waller again this week. He did not practice today against a very good Broncos defense. I think they're ranked uh, third in the NFL, allowing only 17 points a game. So again, being realistic, like you said, the Raiders didn't win four games in a row all season, even when things were clicking for them before all the, the drama and whatnot. So that's what need, would need to happen in order to get to 10 wins. Mo, I'm going to give you the final word on this one. Is three wins too much to ask for this Raiders team right now? Way too much. I'm sorry, <laughs> Nation. <laughs> Unless this is the only way I see the Raiders running the table is if injuries and COVID ravage the Chargers and Colts on the back end of this uh, schedule. And you always got to factor that in because a lot of people don't want to talk about this, but injuries and now COVID sweeping through the nation, that, that's going to play a big role in who wins these games, some of, the, some of these games, some of these critical games. But I will bring up some points here. Um, the Colts play the Cardinals this week. The Bills play the Patriots. The Ravens play the Bengals. Bengals dump the Ravens earlier this season. There's a possibility that the Raiders and the Colts could be playing for the seventh seed next week if those three teams lose because the Raiders have the tiebreaker over the Ravens, and all three of those teams would then all have eight and seven records along with the Raiders if they beat Denver. So I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but just to get Raider Nation a little excited after my prediction, <laughs> uh, it's a possibility that the Raiders could be playing for the seventh seed, and then you put all marbles on the table. You never know what could happen again if COVID sweeps through the Colts roster you could have another depleted roster i know raider nation will probably say oh we want to beat a team full strength hey you take a win as you can get it so we'll see how it shakes out and you think that they will beat denver this weekend scott says he does believe that would be the case you do you too i i'm a little pessimistic because i will say the, the first <laughs> he's the first a mean matchup, one mr grinch <laughs> i'm sorry raider nation but i have to keep it real here the raiders raiders offense was clicking in that first battle and it took the run game out of basically out of the game because Raiders basically controlled it from beginning to end in this situation the raiders are probably not going to score more than 28 points so I think the better defense, the better run game could win. In Denver, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon the third. Those guys are clicking right now. And as Scott mentioned, third-ranked defense. So to me, I, I think the Broncos should actually be favored, even though Drew Locke is there. Let's not act like Drew Locke hasn't beat the Raiders in his career, though. And he has the weapons. He has a lot more weapons than Derek Carr has right now. So I, I'm not saying that this is a win for the Rays. I know a lot of people think it is because of Drew Locke, but I would say pump the brakes on that. Yeah, and, and the Drew Locke thing too, Mo, I'm glad you brought that up real quick. So Drew Locke, hey, did you guys not see Nate Mullins? I mean, he almost beat the Raiders twice, and you're talking trash about Drew Locke. Let's 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 be realistic here. Let's worry about ourselves, so to speak. Well, listen, I I, I see. I, I'm tired of being called negative this week. I got a lot of a lot of that this week. I, I think the Raiders are going to win this game. I do. I think if there's a, a winnable game left on this schedule, I think it's this week. Mm -hmm. um, Scott, you make a great point about Nick Mullins, but. Uh, the Raiders have had the, the Broncos number recently winning three of the last four. I know things are drastically different from the last four times they've played, but I, I do think the Raiders have one more win in them, and I think it comes this week. So there you have it, Scott Gilbranson and Mo Moten. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me uh, for this roundtable. I, I had a great time doing it. I hope the listeners out there enjoy it as well. Uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing you guys on your shows this week. Please go out and subscribe to their shows. Follow them. Um, on all their different platforms and whatnot. And, of course, guys, have a Merry Christmas. All right, that was a good time. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We covered a lot of ground there with that discussion, some things for you guys to chew on. Uh, but that is going to do it for this week. You can expect to hear from me again at the same time next week. We will see if the Raiders can take care of business at home versus the Broncos to keep their playoffs hopes alive. Thanks again to Scott Gilbranson and Mo Moten. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone. And until the next time, I am Evan Grope, and as always... Just win, baby.